that may have felt familiar if you've ever had to sit at the kids' table on Thanksgiving <laughs> or Christmas or any sort of family get-together. But, you know, kids just approach life so differently than adults, don't they? They see things differently. They aren't afraid to ask the tough questions. They aren't afraid to share what they're passionate about or what they're interested in. They are perfectly fine with being themselves. And do you know why? Because they don't know any other way to be. They don't know the social expectations the world has for them, the way we as adults expect them to act. So they're free. They're free to be exactly who they were created to be. They don't always come to the table with the best manners or the cleanest hands. They're not always proper. They're not always polite. But the way kids see life is special. The glasses they look through aren't smudged with disappointment, clouded with weariness. They aren't jaded or calloused or indifferent. They still see the world with wonder and awe. Today we're going to continue our series at the table, but we're going to look at it from a slightly different angle because we're going to look at what it means to come to the table like a child. Now, we don't have any stories from the Bible of Jesus sharing a table with children. That doesn't mean he never did. It just means we don't have any stories about it. But we do have some stories of Jesus interacting with children, giving his thoughts and perspective on children and what it means to be a child. So we're going to look at that for just a few minutes and see what that means for us today. In three of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, we have this story uh, about the disciples, and they're, they're arguing back and forth, uh, a, a very specific argument. And the argument is, who is going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Essentially, the question they're asking is, who's going to have the most status, the most power, and the most authority next to Jesus once his kingdom finally gets there. They want to know who's going to be second in command. And we, we do the same thing sometimes in life, don't we? we? We jockey for position. We want to make sure that we have the most say-so in whatever room we're in. We want to make sure that people know who's in charge. And that's what the disciples are doing here. They're having an argument, an embarrassing argument, about who's going to have the most authority once the kingdom finally shows up. And Peter's throwing his weight around. He's like, well, I'm the oldest, so it should be me. And John is like, well, you know, I'm the one that Jesus loves most, and so it should be me. And Jesus, he finally calls them out. And he's like, what are, you, what are you guys arguing about? And they're embarrassed, but, but they answer him. So in Matthew chapter 18 is where we're going to pick up verse 1. It says this, At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called a child 
whom he put among them and said, Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever becomes humble like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, and whoever welcomes one such in my name welcomes me. So these guys are arguing about who's going to be the greatest, who's going to be second in command. And Jesus takes a child, and the word here is for a small child. Maybe he had an infant, maybe he was a toddler. But he places this kid in front of these men and says, do you want to know what greatness looks like in my kingdom? It looks like this. Now, in the first century Greco-Roman world, which is where this story takes place, we have to understand that children did not have the same social standing that they do in our world today. Children didn't have any social status in the ancient world. That's not true in our world today. We put a very high premium on our children. That's not to say moms and dads in the ancient world didn't love their kids. Of course they did. But we approach it differently, don't we? We, we spoil our kids. We make, we make a lot of our decisions about life based on our kids. We allow our kids to help make some family decisions. We will intentionally position ourselves to make sure that our kids are best set up for success. But in the ancient world, that would never have happened because while you're, you're a valuable part of this family, you have no place in the rest of the world. But Jesus, he says, no, 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 this... This is what it looks like to be great in my kingdom. R.T. France was an Anglican priest and a New Testament professor at Oxford. And he said this about children in the ancient world. The child represents the lowest order in the social scale. The one who is under the authority and care of others and who has not yet achieved the right of self-determination. To become like a child is to forego status and to accept the lowest place, to be a little one. So in this story, in this example, what Jesus is calling us to when he calls us to childlikeness is humility. He's calling us to let go of our status, our titles, our positions of power, our authority, and to place ourselves under the power and authority of one who is greater than ourselves. This was incredibly countercultural then, and it still is today for very different reasons. Because so much of what we do as human beings is reach for the next rung on the social ladder, isn't it? If I can just get into that next role at work, if I can just make a little bit more money, have a little bit bigger house, if I could just be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. But that's not what Jesus 
wants you to bring to the table. He doesn't want your titles. He doesn't want your status. He doesn't want your power. Because as important as those things are to us, those things don't matter to Him. It's not that He doesn't care. It's just not what's important to Him about you. Because you are what He loves. You are what has value. You are who He loves. So coming to the table like a child means coming to the table as you. As you are. As you have been created. I'm going to say a couple things now that we don't like to talk about. and We know they're true, but it's just something that we'd rather not speak on. But I'm going to say it anyway. There are people in this world who do not love you for who you are. Because they want you to be somebody else. And this next part, there are people all over this country in churches who do not love you for who you are. Because they want you to be somebody else. You don't fit into their box. But listen to me when I say this, and I need everybody to look at me and hear these words right now because these are the most important words I can say to you today. That is not the way Jesus sees you. Jesus sees you and loves you as you are. He welcomes you as you are. He doesn't just see you as valuable. He sees you as invaluable, priceless, the same way we see our kids. There's this other story in the Gospels about Jesus and children, and he's in this town called Capernaum, and he's been there before, so people kind of know who he is and what he's capable of, and they, they hear, moms and dads hear that, oh, he's, he's in town, let's take our kids there, let's go get a blessing, maybe he'll lay his hands on them, and, and their lives will be made better for it, and so they're rushing in, and for whatever reason, we're not sure why exactly, the disciples don't let them through to get that blessing. They're, they're afraid that these kids and their parents are going to bother Jesus. And that's where our story picks up in Mark chapter 10. It says this, people were bringing little children to him in order that he might bless them. And the disciples spoke sternly to them. But when Jesus saw this, he was indignant. Now the word there for indignant is very grieved, much grieved specifically. And what that means is heartbroken. So Jesus saw this and he was heartbroken and he said to the disciples, let the little children come to me. Do not stop them for it is to such as these that the kingdom of God belongs. Truly I tell you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will never enter it. And he took them up in his arms, laid his hands on them and blessed them. 
I love this story so much. And I love this picture of Jesus with these kids. Because it says that Jesus took these kids into his arms. These messy, snot-nosed, dusty little kids. He took them into his arms and he embraced them. Even though society said these kids aren't important, Jesus said, no, not only are they important, they are the most important and we should all strive to be like them. He wanted those children to come to him. He wanted the opportunity to bless them. He wanted them to come to the table just as they were. Just like he wants us to come to the table. Just as we are. But coming to the table as we are, like children, is a pretty bold invitation from Jesus, isn't it? Because we bring all sorts of things to the table that we probably need to talk about. Now, we don't have time to talk about all of those things, but there's one in particular that I want to talk about this morning. Because one of the things that kids come to the table with are honest questions. Sometimes these questions are a little too honest. <laughs> They're brutally honest. They're painfully honest. And many of us have certainly been humbled by a kid's honest question. I put together a list of some of the hurtful questions my kids have asked me and my wife, and I'm going to share a couple of them with you because I'm a sucker for punishment. But these are all true questions that we have gotten. Daddy, why is your hair turning gray? Daddy, why is your belly getting bigger? Daddy, why is your nose shaped like that? Daddy, why is your forehead so big? Daddy, what does a receding hairline mean, and why does mommy say you have one? <laughs> mommy, did you know you have a pimple on your face? Mommy, do you think what you're wearing looks good? And this is my personal favorite, and my wife's not here, so I can say this. Mommy, why do you have a mustache like daddy? <laughs> I, was, I was in the other room when that question was asked, minding my own business, and I was not minding my own business any longer after that question. That was... <laughs> One of the greatest days of my life. Now, I could go on, but, but you've gotten the gist, right? Kids ask some really honest questions. But here's the thing. When kids are asking their honest questions, they're not asking them to be mean. They're not asking them to be hurtful. They're just curious. They just want to know. And so they ask. We need to not be afraid to ask honest questions. But so often as adults, we don't ask questions. A lot of us stopped asking questions a long time ago. Maybe we stopped asking questions because they made us uncomfortable. Or maybe they made the person we were asking uncomfortable. 
Maybe it was because we asked some honest questions and we got in trouble for it. Life got harder because we asked those questions. So instead of asking, we grow bitter and jaded and calloused. And sometimes when life hasn't been very good to us, we start growing bitter and jaded and calloused towards Jesus. And so instead of asking Him, we go and find our own answers. And sometimes that comes with catastrophic results. This isn't going to be on screen, but in the book of James chapter 4, James is talking about, you know, you say you don't have these things. Let me tell you why you don't have these things. You don't have these things because you don't ask for them. And even when you do ask for them, your motivations are all wrong. But Jesus, in Matthew chapter 7, this is what he says about asking. Keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you'll find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. See, Jesus wants our honest questions. He wants us to tell Him what we need. He wants us to tell Him what we want. He wants our curiosity. He wants our imagination. You know, curiosity is one of those risk-reward types of things. Curiosity can be very dangerous, but it can also be very fulfilling. There's an episode of the TV show The Mentalist where two characters are talking about curiosity, and one of them says, well, curiosity killed the cat, to which the other replied, it also cured polio. So curiosity is not just a good thing, it's an important thing. Curiosity and wonder are things that make our lives better and the world we live in better. And we, as grown-ups, have to work hard not to lose those things. Andy Stanley is an author and pastor of a church in Georgia, and, and he says this about curiosity. Everything in life conspires against our sense of wonder. Age, experience, our jobs, and get this, even our church. How many of us have stopped asking honest questions because of a church we attended? where it wasn't safe to ask honest questions. Where honest questions were looked at as dissension, as sowing distrust. The church should be the safest place on earth to ask life's toughest questions. There should be no off-limits questions in the church. Because let's be honest, there are some pretty serious questions that we have about the things we believe. Things that we're not sure about. 
that we are, need to be able to ask honestly and receive an honest answer. But we got to not be afraid. Maybe because it might make somebody uncomfortable. Maybe because we don't know the answer or we might not agree on the answer. If our egos aren't strong enough to handle honest questions, God is strong enough to answer and hold on to our honest questions. They don't intimidate Him. He's not concerned with your honest questions. He wants them. He wants your curiosity and your imagination. He's the one that gave it to you. So come to Him honestly. Stay curious. So when we come to the table like children, Jesus wants us to come humble. He wants us to come curious. And He wants us to come honest. I want to go back to that, that little video we showed at the beginning. And uh, it's a silly little video. The kid's table. You know, that, that table, it was messy, and it was loud, it wasn't proper, but it was full of life. It was full of curiosity and honesty and humility. And so maybe, just maybe, we need to think about swapping out the adult table for the kids' table. Let's pray.